0: And I think some people are just hungry, and some people are late. And uh, yeah, so say to your neighbor, it's glad to have you here. I'm glad you are here. No, I'm actually saying, I am glad you are here. (laughs) You know, the scripture says, where two or three are gathered together in his name, in the name of our Lord Jesus, He is there in the midst of them. So because you are here, Jesus is here with us. And uh, we can spend time in his word. I want to teach into what we've been teaching about. And then after that, we're going to pray as a church and then take communion together. Father, even though we've prayed already, I ask again for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And in the knowledge of your ways. And I ask, Father, that you will continue to speak to our hearts through your word. Amen. So, today is part four of our series on when the church prays together. And uh, today I want to talk about the perils of corporate prayer. The perils of corporate prayer. In other words, some of the dangers and challenges we face when we are praying together. Some of the things... That can actually hinder us when we are praying together as a church. Let's go over some ground. Matthew 18, verses 18 to 20. Matthew 18, verses 18 to 20. Our Lord says, Assuredly, whatever you bind, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I wonder if you could take some of the treble off. Uh, It's a bit loud here for me. I'm not sure if it's loud for you. Uh, Maybe lower it a bit. Is it loud? Is it loud? Yeah, it seems a bit loud. All right, so these verses of Scripture, like we've already said, is really dealing with the issue of church discipline. However, from it, we can learn some dynamics about prayer and uh, how we are supposed to pray together. So the first thing we have said is that the church can exercise its authority to bind and loose through corporate prayer meetings. In verse 18, he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And this authority to bind and loose is really the authority to restrict something that's binding or to release something that is loosened. And the Amplified Version says it like this, whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. In other words, our authority to bind and loose is based on what Jesus, our Lord, has purchased for us on the cross. And it's based on what the scriptures gives us authority to do. This is important as we look at some of the perils in corporate prayer. We'll discover that there are things at times we do in the name of prayer that have no scriptural basis. And actually will invite more problems to those who are engaged therein. Second point in this verse, in verse 19, we learned is that there must be agreement among those who are praying. And let me also add this point. Apart from when you are praying with others, there must be agreement. Also, in you as an individual, when you are praying concerning any issue, you have to be in agreement with your spirit, soul, and body. You know, in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, he says, For truly I say to you, whoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that the things he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. There has to be agreement with what we are saying And what we are believing, as we say it, for power to be released. And the third point here is this, is that the prayer meeting must be in the name of Jesus. For the prayers to be effective, the prayers must be in the name of Jesus. Because in verse 20 he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So when we gather in his name, again, it means this that gathering represents him. That gathering is because of him. That gathering is to honor him. That's what it means to do something in the name of Jesus. When you do something in the name of Jesus, it is not just saying in the name of Jesus and then doing something. Now, you can do that and that could be in the name of Jesus. If after you say in the name of Jesus, whatever you are saying or doing represents him, honors him, and has his full support. The reality that I have seen in my own life, and maybe in yours, is that at times we say in the name of Jesus as some kind of magic wand to get something done. And of course, nothing happens. Some of these things, for instance, I remember um, in the younger days when when I was casting out demons in people, we would spend hours just screaming at them in the name of Jesus. Jesus. I remember once, even one pastor, as we were trying to cast a demon out of somebody, one pastor was literally, he was reading the Bible and saying, look, I've just told you, come out, now come on, come out. And the <laughs> thing looking at him. The point is, is that it is not saying in the name of Jesus that makes it the name of Jesus. It is whether what you are doing represents him, whether what you are doing honors him, whether what you are doing is because of him. And so prayer meetings and prayer gatherings that are because of him, that are to honor him, that are to promote his ways, are prayer meetings that are in his name. And that is why I personally do not believe in multi-faith prayer gatherings. I believe in working with people from other religions. I believe in doing projects in the community with those from other faiths. I believe in all of that. But I do not believe in multi-faith prayer meetings Because they cannot be in the name of Jesus. Because you cannot put the Lord Jesus on the same line as Mohammed or as Buddha or as Allah or as uh, Krishna or any other God of another religion. Because he says, our Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. So if that is what he says, and if we are trying to represent him in prayer, you cannot do it something in another way and put him on the same level as someone else. It's not bigotry, it's just the reality of our faith. All right, so this is what this verse um, captures. And these three key dynamics are important whenever we are praying together. Even on our own, when we are praying on our own, these key dynamics of, number one, exercising our authority. To bind and loose. Number two, praying in agreement with those we are praying with or even in ourselves. And number three, doing what we're doing to represent the Lord Jesus in his name are very important. Now, another thing I want to point out before we examine some of the corporate, um, some of the um, perils of corporate prayer is what we touched on last week and the week before. And it's in Acts chapter 4. 21 to 31 or 23 to 31. And briefly, we touched on some key ingredients to corporate prayer. Now, we've touched on the basics, but I'm going to reinforce it again. And that is in verse 24 of Acts chapter 4, we looked at the issue of agreement. How these believers, when they prayed together, they agreed. So, we've looked at it in theory and then the practice of it, In Acts chapter 4, verses 23 onwards. Now, Let me read it quickly. I know I'm repeating, but it's important we repeat until we get it. It says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the heathens... Or why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on your threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, and the place where they were assembled together was shaken, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, this incident really shows us the practicality of what I've been saying. How that when you have the right dynamics in place, you can really have much of God's power released. In James chapter 5, the second portion of verse 16, he says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, or the, continuous, the heartfelt continuous prayer of a righteous man makes available tremendous power, which is dynamic in its effect, the amplified version. And the point that you need to see from this episode is that when God's people pray together, and they have the right dynamics in place. Tremendous spiritual power is being released. I remember hearing um, the late, great Kenneth Hagan Sr. sharing about when he was pastoring the church, he had a prayer group. And in that prayer group, he, he was sharing how during the prayer group, when they would meet, they were getting up to all kinds of things. And they got to the stage when... They even gathered together. They start saying things like, God is finished with our pastor. And, uh, God, and he, 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 God is finished with the pastor, basically. So his wife said to him, and some of the other leaders, one, some of the members of the prayer group came to him and said, Pastor, you need to come in, get involved in the prayer group. Or you need to do something about this group because it's getting it out of hand. Now, he was a wise pastor. So what he did was he got them to start meeting together with him. He didn't disband it. He just started meeting with them. And he said, as he began to meet with them, he began to channel the power that was being generated amongst them in a proper direction. So what was happening, you see, because they lacked understanding, when they were picking up things in the spirit, they were putting all kinds of interpretations to it and they were causing more problems. But when he began to guide them, they began to generate so much power that they began to pray all kinds of miracles into being. The same people. Now, what they did not know was that what they had picked up that God was through with their pastor was that he only had one year left there. And that God was now gonna launch him into his apostolic and prophetic ministry. But the the way they picked it up, all right, but then the interpretation they put on it. God is through with the pastor. That could mean all kinds of things. The guy's going to die. The guy is going, is, is, there's something wrong with him, so therefore God is finished with him. Or God is finished with him because he needs something, someone better. All kinds of interpretations. What I'm trying to say is, is this when God's people gather together to pray, beloved, there's tremendous power available. There is, there is. When two or three. So, for instance, even in my context, in my family context, when we, Aisha and I, need to see a specific miracle, we will agree very specific about this. This is what we are praying for. We will pray very specific, and we will know that we will have the answer. So, before me and Aisha will even pray about anything, I need to know we agree first. So, until we agree, we won't pray about it. I I won't. So I'll I'll be praying that she'll come to a place of revelation. But I will not bring it as an issue of prayer because there's no power going to be generated. When the people of God are praying together, whether it's husband and wife, brother, sister, friends, uh, whether it's siblings, whether it's a corporate gathering like this, if it's two or more, there's tremendous power that you can release through agreement. And here's the thing I have discovered. Most people do not dare to agree for the, the desires of their heart. They don't dare to agree with somebody else because they would even think that maybe they shouldn't ask for this thing because, you know, at the end of the day, if it is God's will, it will happen. Are you still here? So in these verses, there are five things that we touch, we, we highlighted. One is agreement. The fact that in verse 24, they, when they heard what... Peter and John have said, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said. Second thing is, when they prayed that agreement, it was in submission to God's will. Because they addressed God as Lord, or the King James Version, some versions say, sovereign Lord. You are God who made heaven and earth. Third thing is, is this, their prayer had scriptural authority and context. So they referred to Psalm 2, what David said in Psalm 2. And then they contextualized it to their situation in verses 25 to 28. They said, look, your word says, why did the heathen rage? King James Version. And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth have set themselves together against you and against your Christ. You know, this is what happened with Pontius Pilate. They crucified Jesus. And now listen to what these same people are saying. Listen to their threats. So they, they used the scriptures and contextualized it and then made known their request. Fourth point, which was they were very specific in verse 29 to 30. They said, Lord, look on their threats and grant to us, your servants, that with all boldness we may speak your word. Why did they ask for that? Because they were afraid. They, they could be afraid. Beloved, never back down from admitting your weaknesses and inadequacy, especially in prayer, in the times of prayer, it is a great opportunity to say, Lord, now look at this situation that we're facing. Give us the anointing to deal with this; otherwise, we're going to be embarrassed. I remember Ezra boasting to the king of Babylon, telling him how their God was this, that, and the other, and the king said, "Okay, you know, you you need to go back to Judah." Uh, Do you need an escort? And Esther said, Esther. Ezra said, Nah. Our God can protect us. Now, at that time, historically, the, the road or the way back to Jerusalem was paved with bandits. All kinds of ambushes was taking place. So the king, in his magnanimous nature, said, Would you like us to give you an escort? Now, if, you know, if Ezra, if, you know, if this probably the, the team with Esther, Ezra said, Charlie, this is what we've been praying for. And then Ezra said, Nah, 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 nah. God can protect us and deliver us. His, his staff members must have thought, Oh, man, bro, man. Now, after Ezra said that, you know what he did? He called a fast. Oh God, protect us. He fasted and prayed, and then they took the journey and they were protected. You see, at times, you have to understand that you have to be able to admit your inadequacy. In fact, many times. So if I'm facing something in my family, let's say my children, there are things going on that is troubling me. There's no point me talking to them about it. Aisha and I will just pray in agreement to turn the thing around. Sometimes your children are not studying the way they need to. Sometimes they're beginning to have an appetite for things that they're not supposed to. There's no point beating them in the head because that ain't going to work. There's no point shouting at them. That's not going to work. You have to bind and loose certain things without their knowledge. There's no point even telling them, I'm going to bind you and loose, you know, because of the way you're carrying on. That's not going to help. And then look at God's response, verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. <laughs> Can you imagine? And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Now in the Bible, in the New Testament, go and study it. Whenever you see, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, you will discover that they, when it describes what happened in terms of after they were filled, they would speak in tongues. I'm demonstrating, I'm just showing you. They'll speak in tongues. They won't speak in French in the sense of they know it's French. They might speak in French, but they wouldn't know it's French. It reminds me of the time when I prayed for this ex-Muslim convert who, he became a, uh, a believer, not under my ministry, but he became a believer, but he hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we were talking, and uh, we were, I was coming back to London, I was in Wells Poly at this time, and as we were talking, and he said, no, he hasn't. He was a very zealous guy. He loved Jesus. He had the spirit of God in him. It was clear. But he never, he hadn't received the baptism. So I said to him, would you like to? And he said, yeah, I would. I said, okay, we can have it now. Are you okay with that? He said, yeah. So on the train station, before my train came, I just laid hands on him, prayed, and he began to speak in tongues. But he began to speak in Latin. And some of the words he said, I knew what it meant. So after he finished, I said to him, do you know what you were saying? He said, no. I said, you were speaking Latin. And these are the words you were saying. And he just looked at me. Oh, well, yeah, I remember another time in our prayer group where we're praying in our church, our old church, as we're praying, one of the brothers was just worshipping, singing in the spirit. And as he was singing in the spirit, I stopped out for "Hang about, What am I hearing here? And he began to sing like this. Yesu, yeah. Yesu, yeah. Yesu, yeah. Yesu, yeah. Because huh? yes, yeah. this is, in my language, it's Jesus is good. So when he sang it for about 10 minutes or whatever, afterwards I said, Bro, do you know what you were saying? I went, No. I said, I know what you were saying. <laughs> now, I was, this isn't an in interpretation. I just happened to be in the radar to hear the language he was praying, singing to Jesus in. You understand? The point I'm making is this again, because you need to understand these dynamics in the things of the spirit. Because when you understand how the spiritual realm operates, you can use it to your advantage. You see, we, you see, the Scripture says in First John chapter one, that which we have seen, that which we have heard and handled, concerning the world of life. What we have experienced is what we are telling you. Not just we read it in a book. We have lived it. So when we're talking about praying together, we have seen the blessings that comes your way when you access the Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to influence you in some of these things. Can you say amen? God responded, they were filled, and then guess what happened? They were given the ability, the boldness, to preach and declare the word. All right, let's look at some of the perils. First peril, in fact, before we do that, let's read, I don't think I gave you this one, Matthew chapter 6 from verses 5 to 7. Matthew 6 verse 5 to 7. So the main dangers I see as I study this when it comes to corporate prayer, the main dangers in prayer meetings are highlighted in the Lord's teachings here in Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 to 7. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, verse 8. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now, the Lord is teaching us as his disciples how we pray on our own because it's clear in the context that it is as I go into my closet and I'm with God, I'm to pray a certain way. Nonetheless, we can learn some dynamics or some principles about how we pray together. The two main perils in corporate prayer, and even in our own prayer lives, are praying like the hypocrite or praying like the heathen. The hypocrite prays to impress God. They pray to impress God. Sorry. Sorry, I beg your pardon. The hypocrite prays to impress men. I beg your pardon. The hypocrite prays to impress men. They pray so that people can see what they're doing and say, wow, what an awesome prayer warrior look at me. You see how I pray when I pray? I have this stance and then my tongue is very sumba. boom, 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 boom. And my English is, is an American English. Heavenly Father. as I shall begin to pray right now. Now normally my accent is very Ghanaian. Jesus is the way, Jesus loves you but when I begin to pray My action changes automatically. Leverly Father. Now, listen to me. I am one who is a very dramatic person. In fact, I'm sure the angels have a good laugh. I don't mind doing all that. Sometimes I'll be praying and I'll just decide to just put on between me and God so you're not watching. Father, I like to do these things in the name of Jesus. I don't mind it between me and God. I don't mind it. But if you're listening, I have to be a bit careful. But the hypocrite prays to impress men. And then the heathen prays to impress God. They think that by their much speaking, God is going to be, yeah, you're really doing well. Now, beloved, I want you to be clear here, and we'll touch on it later. This is not talking about speaking in tongues. This is talking about praying without understanding. And there is a difference, because when you're speaking in tongues, you are not supposed to understand what you are saying. That's what he says in First Corinthians 14, verse 14. For if I pray with the spirit, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Other versions say, when I pray with my human spirit, or when I pray with my spirit, my spirit prays, but I don't know what I am saying. That's what he says. So, that's not what he's referring to here. It's very important that you see that. However, we have to be careful in our prayer gatherings of these two perils. Trying to impress God and trying to impress people. It's very common. If you're like me, I'm sure you have yielded to it many times. You're in a prayer meeting and you hear Brother Smith over here. If you're a Smith, please forgive me. He begins to pray. You know, and he starts, Heavenly Father, from the very foundations of the world, when you began to create, and you said, "Light be." Not even let there be light. You know, they mean they go to the proper Hebrew, "Light be." And it was right now in the name of the Most Holy One, your Holy Child, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In fact, Yeshua, Messiah. We don't say the English. We give the transliteration. Yeshua HaMashiach. Yahweh. We say to you Yahweh. Not even Yahweh. Yahweh. Because that's more to the, to the proper text, the grammar tone. Yahweh. As we pray. And you're like, hey Charlie, this guy. <laughs> and you're next. You're hearing text. Yeshua HaMashiach. And Yahweh. And you're next. And everybody, oh hallelujah. As they pray. And you're next. Man, you just say, I just need to go and use the toilet. <laughs> it's very easy. I have yielded to it many times. I'm sure you have you're in a prayer meeting and it's your turn to pray. And you're racking your brain. How, you know, you're, not, you're not trying to figure out from the Holy Ghost what are you saying. You're trying to, how do I put this? So that, you know, I too, they know that I can pray. I'll never forget many years ago. We were in a funeral, and then Pastor John was asked to pray, and he prayed under the anointed, and I'm supposed to be the senior minister, and he prayed, and it was powerful. Then they said, now, the bishop himself, so I I also tried to access, and I I said, I pushed, nothing, pushed. When I finished, I just kind of. I just heard other people, your prayers to Pastor John. That was awesome. That was honest. That was awesome. Yeah, because I was trying to impress people. It's very normal. So get over it if you've done it. But here are some of the other perils. One, carnally led prayer meetings. Carnally led prayer meetings. These are prayer meetings that are driven by worldly concerns rather than being Holy Spirit led. In Romans 8, verse 5 and 6, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Whenever you are involved in a prayer meeting, you must ask the Holy Spirit to guide your heart. If you are leading that prayer meeting, you must always ask the Holy Spirit to guide your heart. If you are in a group and you're coming to pray, even though you have issues that you're going to pray about, you must ask the Holy Spirit to influence and to guide your heart. It's very, very important. Because this is why those of you who come to the prayer meetings I lead, you will discover no two meetings are led the same way. Because I am constantly asking him, how do you want this thing to go? What is it that you want to do today? How do you want the flow to be? Even the service structures that we have. A lot of times i ask him, how do you want the service to go? We have a a pattern, but I'll ask him, how do you want the service to go? For the last three weeks he said do communion first, but today he said do communion last. For the last few weeks we had several things, but today he said teach first. And then do it in this order. That is one of the reasons why when you said what you said, I said what I said. You understand? Because there was a directive from the Spirit. And it is very important... That you learn to allow your prayers to be Holy Spirit influenced. This again is why many of us, even on our own prayer times, we find it very dry. Why? Because we are trying to manufacture a ritual, a pattern. We don't wait on Him to speak to our hearts, or because there are issues on your heart that you, 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 you they are bugging you, but you feel you have to start with worship because you've been taught the Lord's prayer. You always start with worship. And, and then sometimes you say, no, we have to confess our sins. I remember as a younger guy, we would confess our sins. Us and I would confess sins known and unknown, sins seen and unseen, sins felt and unfelt. <laughs> I've decided the felt and unfelt bit, but, you know, you get the drift. No, no. Remember, it's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion Or the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That is to remain with us always. So constantly learning to dialogue with him. And letting him influence how you pray is crucial. Why? Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Likewise the spirit himself helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know how we should pray as we ought to pray. But the spirit himself makes intercession with us. For us, sorry. With groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Beloved, how the Holy Spirit does this is through human vessels, you and I. He's not in heaven praying. He's praying through people who have learned to allow him to influence how they pray, both with their understanding and also with their human spirit. It's very, very important. So, being Holy Spirit-led as opposed to carnally-led is very important. Carnally-led prayer meetings are a peril to prayer meetings because those prayer meetings will have no answers. Secondly, unintelligible prayers. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about prayers that are incoherent or cannot be understood by those in the prayer meetings. It may well include speaking in tongues. Matthew 6, 7, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard back for their many words. Now, the above verse is addressing this issue. It's addressing prayers that are being said, but you don't even know why you're saying it. So I'll give an example. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Again, you see, you, you guys, you're so prim and proper. You don't you come from the traditions we come from. From a classical Pentecostal prayer meeting. Our prayer meetings weren't like the ones you have here where you have some structure and pray together and, uh, you know, let's pray in the spirit together. No, you entered the prayer room by design and left by design and hope for the best in between. Yeah, you just entered as you felt. You entered and everybody, some were sleeping, some were praying, some were pretending to pray, some were really in the spirit and you just prayed, and really struggled. And then when you, when time was up, I always noticed in the prayer meeting it would be like this. Our prayer meetings were like from, I've got 10 minutes left. Our prayer meetings were from like seven, it was half an hour, so you enter the prayer room. At seven o'clock, the usual thing, you have the diehard prayer warriors who are there, like two or three, max. Then about 10 past, you get some of the prayer warriors turning up. Then about 20 past, you may get some of the elders of the church turning up. But at 25 past, five minutes to go, suddenly, the place is jammed. And there's, so I guess the angels will just wait. Say, it's your shift today. Uh, you know, we've got 25 minutes of this. Now, in those 25 minutes, I saw it all because I would be normally there early. Brownie points. And uh, you, you see it. But at 25 past seven or 25 past six, depending on what service it was, suddenly, boom, and then we, oh, Lord Jesus, no, oh And then zoom, done, and then we go. That was normal. But what I discovered is that in those prayer meetings, you had things like this. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, These are not Holy Ghost led. These are things we learned. You learned the style. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Mm, My Lord, my Lord. Mm." Now, you see, during the Pentecostal move, you hear people. during the Pentecostal move the move of God when the spirit of prayer and travail hit people that's what would happen people begin to groan in the spirit oh and things will happen and birth things so the generations that came into the church that saw that happen they just repeated what they saw without the influence of the anointing of the spirit so you know oh Wait, man, hold on. Oh, God. Mm. But they don't know that under the anointing, oh, it's actually a groaning, travailing prayer inspired by the Spirit. Mm. It's actually birth pangs, like when a woman is about to give birth. And those who know the ways of the Spirit understand these things. Are you still here? For instance, there's a, there's a church in Ghana, there are many among some of the churches in Ghana, not our churches, but it's a general culture. A lot of the young prayer warriors pray like this. Literally, they put their hand here and go, yem." Now, what they don't know is where that comes from. You see, there's a very prominent man of God in Ghana. That's how he prays. And those who come to his prayer meeting, I've learned, because he does that, sometimes it's because he, want, he wants to shut out noise. So he does that, to shut out noise. But you, you, you know, you're there and you see, hmm, I like that. <laughs> but you, there's, there's no noise, you're shutting out. <laughs> yeah, that is honestly. So, <laughs> I tell you, you should ask yourself why you do what you do when you pray. And you'll be shocked. Yeah, you'll be shocked. Now, I haven't even got a problem with you copying somebody initially. How do children learn? By copying. That's how you learn. So I don't even have a problem with that. But you need to understand why things are done. You see. Are you still here? All right, so that's, that's unintelligible prayers. Now, <laughs> unintelligible prayers also sp- include speaking with tongues, an overabundance of tongues, which leads us to the third peril. Overabundance of speaking in other tongues in Premies is a peril. Because what it does is, it does not allow for agreement. And also, it can create a religious spirit. Imagine that. The very gift that God gives you to use to pray, you can allow a religious spirit to accommodate it. So, when you go to a Premier and you think, the first thing you must do is pray in tongues, and don't just not this, not even pray in tongues like how you know you pray normally. No, no, no. You have to pray, is praying in tongues. Shambara. because you've heard your pastor. That's how he prays in tongues. He does this. So mm, I like I like the sound of that. No, I don't even have a problem with that because that's how I learned it as well. I, I listened to one time I was, I saw this man of God praying. And, He's praying, share, I Shere, said, I said, that must be really saying, "Give me all the power from heaven." Tongue, My normal tongues were, Oh God, help me out. Oh God, please help me out. Help me out. Oh God, Oh God, you, need, I need your help. Oh God. But then I hear, Shere, 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 Must sound like the angels of heaven. You're now coming down as you bring the manna. Let me. Offer it. it must be that. That's what I thought. I was impressed. Are, are you still here? I'm just showing you, you can have an overabundance of something. And Paul tells us about that. Look at this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 11, he says, Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks shall, will be a foreigner to me. Also, you will find that uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 16, he says this, If you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? Since he does not understand what you say. For you are really, the next verse says, you're doing well in giving thanks in the Spirit. But the other one is not edifying. So he's not saying don't pray with the Spirit. He says pray with it with proper protocols. So when you're in a corporate setting and you're trying to pray in agreement Yes, you may start by saying, let's all pray with our spirits and pray with our understanding and reach out to God. But now, so you all start praying with your spirit and your understanding like you do. Let's say we're all praying to God. And let's say you're saying to God, oh God, help us. And I'm saying in English, oh God, I love you. And that person's saying, oh God, heal the nation. That's fine because we're all praying out to God. But then the minute we say, now, nah, let's pray about this issue. Let's agree about this issue. First, let's corporately speak to God. So we corporately speak to God about the issue, heal our nation, heal our nation, heal our nation. Then we say, now let's agree together. Now at that point, it's not tongues. We need to hear what you're saying. And if you're going to pray in tongues, you need to pray with the understanding as well. That's the protocol. If there's a super abundance of a good thing, it becomes a bad thing. In any context, like Ed Cole said, balance is the key to life. Okay, one more, and then we'll continue. Another peril is what I call the bizarre that is considered as spiritual. And we've seen some of this. Things that people do that they think is actually God, and it is not. So, for instance, you find people cursing demons in prayer meetings, because they think that's what we're supposed to do. Cursing Satan, bombing the devil, Atomic bombs and grenading Satan. Cursing witches and wizards because do not suffer a witch to live. But our Lord is very clear in Scripture. He tells us in Matthew chapter 5 verse 44, I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So this is talking about people. So we are not never supposed to curse people in prayer curse our enemies in prayer we're never supposed to even those people who are cursing us we're never supposed to curse them back some of you have heard me share this one day I was in my bed I was sleeping and this demonic spirit came into my room came came in to attack me and choke me and I got up and I was really angry and I said return and he said the spirit said what are you doing you want to kill him Because, of course, they return to sender. You know, the return to sender one. That's one of these um, unbiblical, bizarre things. It's very popular, but it's unscriptural. Return to sender. because it's a vengeful spirit. You're trying to kill me? Return to sender! And people have killed people that way. So he said to me, what are you doing? You want to kill them. Don't do that. Pray for them. So I caught myself. So I prayed for them and then went back to sleep. Amen. Or insulting the devil. Jude chapter 8, verse Jude 8 to 11. Jude is one chapter. Likewise, those, likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries. Yet, Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Verse 10, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. You see, when it comes to the things of the Spirit, it is so vast, you have to stay within biblical protocols. Otherwise, you end up doing things you're not supposed to. You think because you have authority over the enemy and he's under your feet, you can insult him. You cannot. Our authority is derived through the name of Jesus alone. In your own self, you have no power. It's through the name of Jesus. So whatever you are doing must represent him. Michael the archangel, when he was disputing over the body of of Moses. You see, what happened was when Moses died, Satan wanted Israel to take that body, mummify it, and worship it. part of his culture like they did with the bronze serpent that's what they wanted to do with Moses's body and so Satan wanted them to take that body and so the archangel Michael that's why they could never find Moses's body because had they found it they would have preserved it and it would have become something so the archangel Michael was dispatched to make sure that the body of Moses could never be found The biggest thing that hinders our prayers and our walk with God is idolatry in any form. And the point there is this, is that they, he says that these people, they insult dignitaries. This is not talking, this is talking about authorities and powers. This is talking about the demonic realm. And they do it because they don't understand what they're doing. But he said even Michael the archangel, when he came to dealing with Satan, He was very careful. He just spoke. The Lord rebuked you. Beloved, be careful of the bizarre. That's why you must stay with what you know to be Scripture. Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit will get you to do something unusual in a context. That's fine. But keep it to yourself and to God. So there are things that I will do when I'm praying on my own that I will never do in public. Because the minute you begin to do it in public... You will open the door to bizarreism. Bizarre things. Amen. We're going to pray. Are you ready to pray? Why don't we rise to our feet? I want us to pray for our nation. I want us to bring our nation before the Lord. And ask the Lord to really help this nation. Uh, we're still going through a very big challenge as a nation during this transition period. We want to pray for the government, for parliament, for the judiciary. And uh, for the for law enforcement, want to pray against terrorist attacks, specifically. Want to pray God will give wisdom to Parliament, and want to pray that God will help the judiciary to make righteous judgments. So these three areas: praying for Parliament, praying for law enforcement, and praying for the judiciary. Begin to pray right now. Lift up your hearts and your voices to God, and begin to pray. And as we're praying, I want two of you to come to the front and pray in agreement concerning this. Come. Just two people just quickly come and then we'll carry on praying. Let's begin to pray right now. Let's begin to pray. Open, lift up your voice, lift up your hands and start praying in Jesus' name.